Here's the snapback. Here's the kick. He's got the leg into it. If it is good, and it is! Austin scores! A 49-yard field goal, and Indiana leads 27 to 24. Oh, it's an end around one to go. Rolling out of the pocket to a strong hand. Delivers deep down the field. Caught touchdown! Fry Fogel again! Hello, everybody. Welcome to the LEO podcast. This is not your host, Michael Bragg, but you can find me, Brandon Dubich, at Brandon Dubich. Spelled traditionally, well, I got to get into it. You know I never follow the script. What is Dubich untraditionally? Like, what's the opposite of that intro, Seth? I have no idea. I don't know. I've never understood it. I've never understood no. it. Spelled traditional. There's nothing traditional about Brandon. Dubich. Or Brandon. The Brandon part. Yeah. Are, you could be an Ian, I guess. That's the only an Ann? What, Oh, then it's Brent, Brent, Brandan, Brandan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you haven't tell, uh, if you haven't been able to tell right now, I'm with former high school DB producer Seth, and you know what? Don't block him. He's gonna be a great follow during March Madness, especially if. Purdue has the march that all us IU fans think they have. So follow him at Seta5, spelled untraditionally, S-T-S-E-T-A-H-5. What's up, Seth? So three weeks and nothing but wins. Awesome. Cool. IU fans are awesome. Love them. Best people on earth. God's country. All that stuff, right? Of course, of course. Uh, Well, what we got today is spring football started. And with spring football comes position battles. Uh, So that's what we're going to talk today. Uh, We're going to talk position battles at quarterback, at running back, at wide receiver. Uh, As we mentioned, there isn't much depth on the offensive line, so I don't think there's many battles there. As much as IU rotates on the defensive line, we're going to leave that out because basically who's a starter and who's second doesn't really matter much with how IU plays on the defensive line. Um, We are going to talk some position battles on the linebacker front. um, And then also uh, on safety because of corners being so thin. So we're going to cover almost every position group. If that says anything about where the team's at uh, going into the 2023 season. Um, But, uh, and then, and then we're going to follow the rest of it. We're going to go Brando's Randos, Seth sack. And then we're going to get out of here. Um, try to make this a quick one because again, I think all of us have regularly scheduled March programming to watch. I'm, I'm currently watching DePaul, uh, uh, beat Xavier. Uh, what are you watching Seth? Yeah, I got the same thing on because I am waiting for the Maryland Minnesota game and this is the only one I have money on right now. So there we go. Let's go X. I had such a bad uh, gambling weekend last weekend that I'm. I think I'm sitting this one out, which would have been good because I would have lost all of them so far. I would have. I've been. I've been wrong on about everything, so that's that's good for my bank account. I guess. I definitely had to take Monday and Tuesday off. 
Yeah, last weekend was brutal, man. Yeah, I, I could not. I couldn't pick a broadside of a barn yesterday. But all right, let's jump into the position battle. Um, the the biggest one. Um, and Bragg made the outline. It's actually pretty good. It's a pretty good outline. Uh, but we got four guys battling for one spot here. Um, and those four guys are uh, Brock Lowry. Uh, he is a true freshman. Uh, we got Brendan Soresby, who we saw a little bit in the Penn State game. He's a redshirt freshman. We got Taven Jackson, who is a redshirt freshman, the Tennessee transfer. And then for, uh, you know, uh, walk on sake, we got good old Blaine McKiz- McKibben, who I don't know, looks like he's 24 years old. Uh, transfer from Long Beach uh, City College uh, and was at Fresno State before that. Uh, so, Seth, I got before we go into this. I need to know your grade on this room as it is gave, in spring football. I think I gave it a C or a C plus with maybe a B or B plus ceiling. There is I think this is going to be a longer frame that I have as there's a lot of guys. I just don't know if any of them are good. I think ultimately this is a position where you said it's the biggest position, but it should be the easiest. This is where you throw in the redshirt freshman quarterback, and you just pray to God he's good or at least shows signs of improvement that you can stick with him over the course of four seasons so you don't have to ask this question year in and year out. This is needs to be a generational quarterback give him the reins get out of the way don't even talk about anyone else stop we're an iu football podcast we're definitely going to talk about the other guys but but i think you and i share near identical takes on this uh but let's first start with the 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 freshman brock lowry um coming in as we've all kind of painted him as the peyton ramsey of the group um you know, he's he, he can do enough of his legs. He has enough of an arm. He comes from a very winning program. He comes very decorated. Um, Now, I know you don't subscribe to Peaks.com, but everyone should. It is well worth the 10 bucks a month. Um, But do you want to know who stands out the most, according to Matt Weaver of Peaks? Mr. Brock Lowry. I mean, we're, 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 we're what five, five practices into this thing. Um, but according to the reports, Brock Lowry looks the best, uh, so far making the most plays. Uh, so just something to note next, we have, uh, Brendan, Brendan with an A N, but with an E as well, Brendan, uh, so, Brendan, uh, this is Bragg's boy. Can we call him that and go BB? Bragg's boy? I'm going to go with it. It doesn't sound great, but I'm going with it anyway. Um, dual threat guy. Uh, he's from Texas. Brandon from Texas. Um, he did not look good in the limited snaps against Penn State. Sure didn't. Um, he, he looked terrified. You know that one? But, uh, you know that one gif of that Oklahoma State quarterback shaking? I'm sure Brendan Soresby would have been doing the exact same thing. Uh, but he's built of the same ilk of Brock Lowry. Uh, it's definitely apparent what kind of guy they're going after, right? But let's be fair. Like 
anybody put in that situation, he was ill-equipped. He was unprotected. Anybody would be diddling down their legs. Just he just saw Tuttle to... die. He literally yeah. just saw Tuttle. Uh, what he sprained his wrist. He broke his ribs. He bruised his collarbone. Like Tuttle just got in like a major car accident on the field. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that. I don't know what to say. Like in that position, you're not in position to succeed. You're ultimately a rag, you know, a rag doll test crash test dummy. just thrown behind an ineffective line against an awesome pass rush. And he was just a sitting duck. It was unfortunate. And so you say, yeah, he didn't look good, but who would have it? That's not completely fair to him. So, you know, it's a, it's an etch a sketch. You, you erase that immediately and you give him an entire year to grow. Who knows? Who knows? And I don't, I don't understand Bragg's fascination with him, but good for him. They can be buddies. They can write letters to each other. <laughs> Everyone needs a pen pal. Um, I'm going to skip over Blaze. Um, if anything comes out of Blaze and practice notes or anything like that, we can cover more in depth later. He's got uh, good size, though. So as far as walk-ons go, good size. There we go. Yay. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we've already spent more time on this than we should have you absolutely give the keys to the car to Taven. Like, yeah, this isn't a make you earn it new guy. This is, and it's not like it's a Ferrari that you have to like, you know, ease a, you know, you have to have a guy who has some kind of touch. It's literally just like, it's a Miata, throw him in. Right. I love that joke. If he listens, <laughs> um, the future kind of depends on this, right? Like, I'm always trying to make analogies here, but like, this is your first round quarterback. This is, this yep. is your top 10. You drafted him basically. And you this is the coach putting his him. job on the line for the quarterback. This is that mutual symbiotic relationship where if the quarterback works, this coach gets paid and he stays. Yep. If he doesn't, here we go. We're coaching go. hot board. Here we go. <laughs> let's, let's put it together. No, and I'm, I, I'm called I agree. up Kane Womack's agent again. Uh, Matt Weaver wasn't explicit in what he said. Um, I'm, I'm going to say I'm not going to try to rip his entire article, but he didn't say anyone was blatantly playing with the ones, which I think is a mistake. It is a yeah. mistake. You give Taven all of the wide receiver ones, running back ones, O line one reps. Um, but I have a question about that. Seth. Uh, about that here later in Brando's Randos. So, well, I mean, I, I think we've seen that lack of commitment be an issue in the past where you just yeah. want them to make the decision, stick with it at some point. And sometimes they, um, you know, are, are hesitant to do that. Beyond me. All right. Let's jump to running back room. And this one, I'm, I'm curious where Bragg was going with this in a position. I was battle. surprised. Because I think this is about as clear cut as possible. Um, Bragg has five guys. Um, again, I'll mention the walk on because he has them on this outline, um, and I will read the outline. Um, but he has Richard Freshman, David Holloman, Redshirt Freshman, Trent Howland, walk on Redshirt Freshman, Declan McMahon. Do you want to tell the listeners who may not know who Declan McMahon is? No, because I don't know who he is. How you am don't... I supposed to know that? How am I supposed to know who he that is? He is Shane McMahon's son and Ugh. Vince McMahon's grandson. Ugh. I feel even better that I forgot that. I do remember you saying that. 
Oh, okay, cool. Good for you guys. If I do the love C- WWE. If- I know you do. That's why I I, I haven't watched WWF since probably <laughs> 2000. Um, uh, but you know what I the did? Royal I, Rumble brings me in every year. Speaking of that, um, I went over to, I have a buddy who's like super, super, super into it. One night, all we did was like drink whiskey and watch like the Royal Rumble from like the 80s to like yeah. the early 2000s. They're like on, you can find them on YouTube and they're like, they're really like 45 minutes of action. So yeah. like we we watched them in like five, we watched like a decade and a half of Royal Rumbles in like five hours and got the destroyed. year where Mick Foley comes out as all three of his characters. Oh, sorry, yeah, they're just. Anyways, let's get back to running backs. Um, cool. So yeah, so I, again, if David Holland, Trent Howland, and Declan are even in the picture, either the injury bug hit or the season went off the rails. The three guys that I think that. I think they're all going to get run and they're all one a B and C is Jalen Lucan, Jalen Lucas. We all know freshman, all American Christian Turner transfer from wake forest previously at Michigan and probably the MVP of this podcast, Josh Henderson, um, the returning guy at, uh, you know, almost, almost 800 yards, uh, eight touchdowns, which is he always seemed to find the end zone. His yardage was low because I think he was underused and underutilized last year. Uh, But, Seth, my question to you is, first snap against Ohio State, week one, who is lined up in the backfield taking the first handoff? It's Josh Henderson. Uh, It's unquestionable. He is a three down back. He is the best pass protector on the team. Again, I haven't seen all these guys in spring practice, but judging off of last year's results, he's the best runner. He was the best pass protector. Um, He was decent coming out of the backfield in the past game. He has to be the at least two and a half down back. The problem is in the Big Ten and in all of college football, you have to have two and a half running backs. So it's okay to have an A, a B, and a C. That's not like the insult. Um but Josh Henderson has to be the one a agreed and go and go from there. Agreed. Um, there was someone that stood out of this group. Uh, I'm going to quit stealing from Matt Weaver's uh, thing, but there was one that stood out and it's not who you may think it is. Um, so I'm going to leave it at that. How many touches a game should Jalen Lucas get? Not just 12. out of the backfield in general, 12, 12. Yeah. yeah and I think, I think 12 to 15. Yeah. I think it's gotta I, be I in think... that low teens. Eight of them need to be receptions. He needs to be a high volume receiver. If they're Walt Bell, we've seen do that short passing game. That needs to be the lateral pass, the short pass, the quick screens, the quick uh, curls. He needs to be highly utilized in that game. He's effective. I'm I'm gonna keep trying to find. Do you ever listen to the uh, morning show on 107.5? I listen uh, to nothing. You listen to nothing. Well, there, there's Jake Quarry's on there, and he always is oh, yeah. constantly trying to find analogies. I feel like I'm trying to pull a bit from him. I swear I'm not. But my analogy for Jalen Lucas, as, as I talk to you, um, how similar can he be part of a game plan like that Rondale Moore was? How, how, yeah, Jalen Lucas isn't Rondale Moore, but can he be used as Rondale Moore light? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's a good comparison. I don't think he's as polished maybe as a route runner but he definitely has the capacity to get there and he definitely has that same kind of human joystick element 
where it's just about getting the ball in his hands in a dynamic position to make a one-on-one move or to have an outflanked situation where there's two blockers and two tacklers and all he has to do is hit the edge. That's really what you're looking for. And the more weapons you have like that, the more dangerous you can be, the more versatile, the more variable, the the more multiple. I hate all those terms. They always use them interchangeably. Uh. It's because you just got done watching the be. combine. You know, you got all those combine <laughs> yeah, words. He's multiple. There. He's a multiple. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, I, I hear you. I think it's got to be, like I said, in the 12 to 15. And you're right. I mean, it needs to be 50-50 split. You said eight receptions. I don't care how you split it, um, but it needs or at to least be. targets. Maybe not full receptions, but yeah. Ne- needs to be dynamic. Um, and, and those are high we, completion plays, too. So we we just talked. Uh, uh, brag's better at the stats than I am, but what there's probably 75 snaps, right? That you roughly yeah. get in a Walt Bell offense. Um, you need to have, in my opinion, this needs to be a run heavy team. So you're probably looking at 40 plays to the running backs. So I think it should go about 20, 20. Oh man, maybe, maybe more than maybe 45, maybe 20, 15, and 10. I don't know. I think there will be a direct correlation to the number of rush attempts and the number of wins this season. I I, I just think I it's like a, that. I like that. I don't know. That hasn't always been the case. There's been a lot of pass happy offenses at IU, but this has got to be a different different way to. Uh, this has got to be a different offense. This has to be the way that they eventually win. Has to yep. be run happy. Yep. Totally agree. All right, let's jump to the absolute log jam. That is wide receiver, because I think this is the position battle I had circled um, when we talked about doing uh, this position battle podcast. Um, And I think Bragg did a really good job of of listing out all the options. And I got to admit, I get sucked into the wide receiver room every year, Seth. I'm sucked in again. Um, Wide receiver one is unquestionably Cam Camper. Um, When he gets back, everything looks to be good. He's in a red jersey. He's he's participating in drills, but he's not really practicing much, which I think is the absolute safe play. Cam Camper does not need to practice. He's already went through a full off season with this team. Um, so that's, that's wide receiver one slated in, uh, but Bragg here has wide receiver two through four, and he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys listed. Um, I think you can kind of write out two of these, but I think mm-hmm. you have, I think you have, five guys fighting for three spots. So the two guys that I would kind of necessarily write off, because I think they got a ton of pedigree is Cameron Perry. Um, he, he's, he's again, right cut from the Shane Wynn, um, Jay Sean Harris, DJ Matthews cloth, but I just think he's a little too small and a red, red shirt freshman. Um, so I'm, He's going to probably get some playing time, but he's not going to be a starter. Jack has Smith, which came out as a four-star recruit, big guy. Um, I'm Grant Hurd. He was a Grant Hurd guy. Really, really good size. Um, He'll be a redshirt sophomore. But the five guys I want to talk about is the new guy from Fordham that I love, uh, DeCuse Carter. Um, He's going to, I think, I think he's a starter personally. So what I think is you got four guys, two that are um, going to really rotate on the inside or on the outside, and that's EJ Williams, Omar Cooper, Anderson Kobe, and Donovan McCulley. Take two out of four, Seth. 
who who are you picking out of those two or uh, out of those I four? actually think I think Omar makes a little bit more sense at slot yeah I think he, he's kind of a tweener he's that like kind of six six one one eighty one ninety um which you know kind of kind of could go either way um so I think he but I think there's a little bit of a backlog at slot too so it's tough to yeah. see exactly so I can see him backing it. up Decuse Carter so so maybe maybe mm-hmm. you got Carter number one in the slot Cooper number two in the slot and Perry is number three in the slot but I also think I think the great unknown is I think Lucas probably plays 20 snaps at slot receiver too. Yeah. I think if, if he's the jackknife that he's supposed to be, that's you, you would expect him to see, you know, if he has 10 touches in the backfield or 10 snaps in the backfield, 20 at the, at the receiver spot, that's kind of how I would expect it to be at least. Um, I know. I know. Yeah, I, I bring up, right. I bring up NCAA football. The most unstoppable play is the four wide out read option. If they could get that going with uh, with both Lucas and Carter on the slots and Henderson and Taven in the backfield, who, buddy, does that get on? Does that get fun? But sorry, I interrupted you. But uh, so that so that no. means you you really got Anderson, Kobe, Amar, or Donovan McCulley, and EJ Williams. Pick the other guy starting opposite Cam Camper. Um. My heart tells me Donovan McCulley. My head tells me EJ Williams. And I just think that he is, he's a bigger body. He has a Clemson pedigree. So you would have to hope that he has a translatable skill that can be immediately uh, utilized. And I think he's kind of the guy that you prototypical outside receiver. Um, I I'll let you talk more about Anderson Kobe. He had flashes last year. I just think he was ultimately inconsistent. And um, I think he can definitely make the rotational play, but do you want to count on him as a number two out wide? I'm, I'm, I don't know if he's there yet. Maybe the growth in the off season is what he's had. I just have to see it to believe it. Yep. So yeah, I mean, Anderson Kobe is going to be a junior, his best stretch of football. Um, was at the end of the season. We don't need to he talk. He definitely came on strong. You're right. He also cost us a game. Do we need to talk about it? Or we don't need to talk about it. I'm trying to focus on the positive after I said negative things. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the only thing Anderson Kobe is consistent with is being inconsistent, um, though he did have a strong end of the season. It has to be EJ Williams for me, um, you know, especially if we want to be a transfer university. Right. If we can take EJ Williams, who is a five star recruit, had a poor, not poor, underwhelming career at Clemson, and then he busts onto the scene at IU, that's a story you can sell. Right. I don't think it's the ultimate caterpillar moth or caterpillar butterfly, you know? Yeah. No, exactly. So I think it, I think for IU, EJ Williams becoming that you know getting half a dozen touchdowns and and you know having 50 60 catches um i, I think that that is, iu needs that if they, if they really want to lean in being a portal team um also uh from early reports this was a video put out by iu he had an insane toe tap like not quite odell but like odell ish type touchdown at the back of the end zone um, which that's what he is, right? He is a he's a Mike Evans throw the ball up. 
I'm going to out athlete you and outsize you in the end zone. Um, so that's, that, that's my guess. Again, don't want to leave out uh, Donovan McCulley uh, because he's last year was really his rookie year being a wide receiver. Um, you really like to see that sophomore jump. Um, and, and, you know, he's being a junior, but for all, for all intents and purposes, he's a sophomore wide receiver. Uh, so yeah, I, I would, I would expect a jump there, but wide receiver room. Is it the best room IU has? It's definitely one of the top ones. I think again, it's, you got a lot of guys. I don't, you don't know how good they, some of them are. But if you have two or three that turn out to be pretty damn good, you can you can roll with them and you can turn it into a pretty good offense. That's the difference between probably that, you know, kind of C grade that I gave for the quarterback and the B grade. That's really the difference is do these guys become dynamic playmakers who can extend yardage beyond the catch? Do they have that yard after catch capability? Do they have that? you know, where they can put a defensive back in a blender and really make that break that either after catch or pre-catch gets them open. Um, A lot of this we just haven't seen yet. Hmm. Yeah. I like pre-catch. You got got yak. Now you got pack. Um, No, it's just the idea. I mean, when you make those breaks, you got to create the separation. A lot of those are those dynamic moves that create the separation in the route. Yep. No, I, I, I'm just giving you a hard time. Um, cool. Yeah, that, that covers the wide receiver room. I, I I love our freaking running back room. I love our wide receiver room. Offensive line scares me to freaking death. And, man, I'll admit, quarterback is scary too. Um, but I love the wide receiver room. I love the running back room. Let's jump to the defensive side of the ball, and and Bragg wants to talk linebackers. I like this room too. Um, IU runs a four-two-five, so you really need about four guys. I think the real position battle is who's the fourth guy. Uh, Seth, is that kind of your read of the room as well? Yeah, absolutely, and especially. And you talked about how we're not talking D line because there's so much rotation. I think we've again found that Tom Allen loves rotational, situational linebackers. He tended to play the same linebackers and passing downs every single time. He thought it was passing down. It's play the same linebackers for running downs. I think he's. I think we're going to see a lot of that again. I think it's going to be a lot of Matt Holt on first downs. Um. And he was really effective against the run, so that's not a problem. Um, but I really think they'll, I don't want to say they're interchangeable, but I think they're going to be situationally rotated, and we're going to yep. have to come to, ex- we've come to expect that, and we're going to have to continue to see that. Yep, yeah, so Aaron Casey's going to be the mainstay. Um, mm-hmm. The he, he was, I think, the surprise of the defense last year, especially when Cam went down. Uh, Aaron Casey, the beast from Canada, um, was, was a, a defense was what was rated like 93rd, 96, a largely bad, bad, borderline horrific defense. Um, Aaron Casey was one of the few bright spots on it. Um, Jared Casey comes back. Um, who's who's fine, right? Jared Casey. Yeah. yeah. Serviceable. I think Dar- Daryl Miner is, is going to be serviceable. The three guys that I'm actually like kind of super excited about are are Isaiah or oh, the two guys are Isaiah Jones and Caden Turner. I, bo- I both thought they looked really, really good. Um, 
last time you and I were on a podcast was kind of a, a preseason podcast where we said, kind of get the veterans get out of the way and let the young guys. That's kind of how I feel about Isaiah Jones and Caden Turner when you talk about Jared Casey and Daryl Miner. Um, I think Jared Casey and Daryl Miner are probably better in September, but I think I think the progression of Isaiah Jones and Caden Turner could prove to be really fruitful in October and November. What uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're spot on here. I think a lot of times when you see veterans start the season, it's because they want to have the more experienced guy. They're more comfortable with him. Um, and then as you progress, sometimes when you see the freshmen or the younger guys coming to replace the older guys, you're like, oh, you know, was that, is that a bad thing? Is did that guy do something wrong? Is is he, you know, not not up to snuff? But a lot of times it's because they're finally gaining the confidence or the players, I should say the younger players are starting to gain the confidence of the coaches so they can actually get put out there. And a lot of times they're the better athletes or the better players. They just don't quite have that season or experience to be able to be trusted on in, you know, in in high pressure situations. So um I think ultimately what you want to see is in October, these guys playing more and maybe maybe less in September but yeah that, that should be a good sign rather than a bad sign yeah I mean because you lose after this year you lose Casey Casey and minor um, yeah. which would be a horrible law for him. that's like not even a good law for him <laughs> um so Jones Holton Turner are the future at linebacker um and I really like that you know I, I don't think I don't think any of those three are impact linebackers in in 2023 but I, I really like the prospect of of those three rotating at linebacker. You know, I mean, none of them are are going to be instant NFL guys, but you know, they, they could be two to three year starters um, at linebacker. I, I kind of like the the positional depth there. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's always nice to know where the next wave is coming from, and yep. having that kind of stability, stabilizing force up front. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you want to see that that changing of the guard happen and this year would, you know, later in the season would be a great time for it to happen. I kind of feel like the, the, the linebacker room is kind of meh for 2023, but I really like the prospect of it. I feel the same about the offensive line. Like I really like the underclassmen in the linebacker. I really like the underclassmen out the offensive line. You got Carter Smith, you got demon Moore, you got Josh sales, you got, Fia Cable, you got Knight. I mean, the the, the got the and they haven't played right. You know, the offensive line. You look at the look at the starters and the starters. Like, well, we've seen them. They haven't really done anything. But um, those are two position groups that I think are like pretty C C plus rooms in in twenty twenty three. But um, you know, the guys behind them, like you said, the next wave is a, is a great great term there. I like the next wave in both of those position groups. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think that's, you know, it's just getting there gracefully. <laughs> I, I think that's the hard thing is you just don't want there to be that steep where you're taking losses in order to get them the experience. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough to throw those guys into the fire of Ohio State week one. <laughs> so it's nice to have some you. of those senior guys to rely on with the experience. But you got to find the balance and you got to, you you know, you got to wager the, the weights of, um, you know, developing yeah. players and exposing people. Yep. Also, Matt Holt with a red jersey not participating in spring. Um, Bragg doesn't have that noted, but I, I did read that. Um, 
hopefully he's okay. I haven't heard anything that he won't be able to practice in in uh, training camp, but he's not practicing it in spring. Um, let's jump to a, another really thin group. Bragg has four guys listed for three spots, so that doesn't even really fill out a two deep. Um, if you want to go back and listen to our two deep, we did that two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, Josh Sangetti, uh, which was huge, keeping him, um, him removing the name Phil Dunham, who got a lot of run, but reminded me a lot of, uh, Bryant, um, just he and bonds, you know, he had a rough freshman campaign. Um, but clearly they believe in him. Jordan Greer, who, Got some run, not a lot, and then you have the Stanford transfer and in, in Nick Toomer. Um, we said it in the two deep. We don't know who's going to play what safety position. Um, which guy out of this group do you trust the most? Um, and and which guy uh, do you think do you have the most concerns for? So that's a trick question. So the answer has to be Jas Sanguinetti because yeah. he's the one that I've seen the highest end on. Um, Phil Dunham, I've seen, I've seen play. Um, how many times did I say his name when he just got torched at Nebraska over and over? I think I think your your wife and son probably have me and Crane just yelling his name. And then and then Greer again. We've seen play very little, so it's hard to have any like confidence in that. So the answer has to be Josh Sanguinetti. The one I'm uh like most afraid of is is Nick Toomer. And the reason why is because you never know what you get when you get a transfer. He could end up being kind of a Charlie Jones guy who you're like, how the hell did this guy not get, get on the field at Iowa? And he turns out to be a stud. Um, or he could just be like, Oh, okay. We're glad we just had another player on the team to provide depth. You never know. And so I think he has the biggest question mark, but I mean, yeah, I, I yeah, I could have answered any other th- either of the other two for that. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Nick Tumor, or Tumor, Nick, yeah, Nick Tumor. Yeah. Um, he he either makes or breaks this group, right? I, which is unfortunate for the kid, right? Um, right. Uh, because he either brings you veteran depth, or he's a guy you can't rely on, and now you're forced to play the Dunhams and Greers of the world. And that could be rough. Um, we've 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 unfortunately seen the last three or four seasons. It seems like in every big moment, a safety kind of doesn't make the play. Um, I mean, here's here's the fear. It's you know, uh, you kick the ball. It's the first weekend against Ohio State. You kick the opening kickoff out the back of the end zone. Ohio State gets the ball to twenty five, and Ryan Day will match up. What, Marvin, Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. in against a safety on the first play of the game, and he will go for 75 yards. It will happen. Maybe not the first play. Okay, fine. But you get you get my point. Oh, absolutely. He will, make, he will find the mismatch and he will exploit it. So who on September whatever date gives you the least chance of giving up that touchdown? That's ultimately who you're going to have to go with. And I don't know who the hell that person is, but Josh Sanguinetti has the inside shot. I would have to guess at being one of them. I mean, it's roll the dice at this point. It, it, yeah. You just hope that somebody sh- comes to the surface. Yeah. It, I do want to put out there because again, IU runs at four two five. Noah Pierre is coming back. He's going to be at that Husky position. 
Um, so he lo- he locks that down. But Noah Pierre isn't stopping Marvin Harrison Jr. That's gonna have to be a deep safety. Um, so, like I said, I think you can you can rely on Sangetti a little bit, but I think Tumor is gonna be. Can he solidify that second safety? If not, yikes. You know yeah. who you can rely on? That is our sponsor, <laughs> Mo- Monon Track Club. MTC is Indiana's running brand built on a deep love for the sport and the Hoosier State. They craft products, tell stories, and create experiences that aim to celebrate, support, and add to Indiana's running culture. Check out the link in the show notes for more details on their club runs and to shop their sick gear uh, from shirts to hoodies to koozies. Uh, the weather is getting nicer. It's going to be summer before you know it. You need to get that summer pool bod. Get out there. Get some gear from Monon Track Club and uh, go uh, go put some miles on your shoes. Uh, as a thank you to the listeners, we're going to off 10% off your order. No, it's not Black Friday any soon. It, you're not going to see Memorial Deal soon. Where are you getting 10% off? From LEO10 at checkout at Monon Track Club. Now back to the show. Uh, so we're going to jump into Brando's Randos. I have a few here, then we're going to get out of here uh, because Minnesota's got a, got a close. Um, and as a Hoosier fan, I'm very interested in that game. So um, my first question, I think, how Seth, how important is spring practice? Honestly, how important? So I, when I was a kid, we didn't remember what spring practice was. We didn't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like when I was younger, it wasn't a big deal. Um, it was a kind of a recruiting day where you'd kind of bring in anybody who had a pulse and bring them and say, hey, welcome to Purdue or welcome to ISU or wherever it was. And it really wasn't a big deal other than as a way to get kids in and excited about the program. Now it's turning into this whole kind of second season where there's position battles. You have the the pre-spring transfers, the post-spring transfers. So I think that's really where it becomes the biggest thing is who can solidify positions and who gets scared and runs away. Um, And then how do you capitalize on that new secondary transfer market? So I think the spring system is huge, more from a player personnel standpoint than really from a, you know, excitement about the program or even recruiting anymore. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think I think this is you get a lay of the land, and that's about it. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think you know they're not putting in full offenses, they're not putting in full defenses, they're not running full strength, they're not doing Oklahoma drills. I know nobody but does. Oklahoma do you know who drills. Clip, Do you know who clicks on every single uh, random you know Twitter handle releases too deep of X football team me? Yes. Oh, I can't wait to see what the Oklahoma State two deep looks like. Yeah. Oh, they're going to run a five, four, two, five again this year. Yeah. I, I well, we're add for it every time. We're, we're, yeah. we're also addicts. We we put the fanatic in 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 fan for sure. Um, all right. Next <laughs> next question uh, here is talking about spring ball. If we pulled Alabama Crimson Tide fans. Do they care more about their basketball team being a one seed in March Madness, or do they care more about the Alabama spring football game? So this is a loaded question um, because I think a lot of people are tired of the Alabama basketball narrative that's going on right now. And 
by all accounts, Alabama football is a much safer conversation to be having. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's one of those weird things where it's like, do you hate the team because some really unfortunate situation happened? Do you hold something against that? So I think it gives them a really nice reprieve. And Alabama will always be football crazy more than they are basketball crazy. And I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird situation, to be honest with you. But uh, I think there's probably a lot of people who don't really give a shit about basketball right now and are just, you know, balls deep in Crimson Tide football. More fans at the round of 64 game for Alabama or at the spring football game? Spring football game. I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll put 45,000, 50,000 in there. Absolutely. All right. So last offseason, Tom Allen went full secret mode. No, no media, no, no spring football game. He isn't going full media tour, but he is opening things up. You think that's a good move and why or why not? Um, do you think the change happened? Yeah, I feel like this is one of those things that sometimes coaches will outsmart themselves. A lot of them will be like, "Well, I don't want I don't want to give any competitive edge whatsoever." And by being media silent or being, you know, cloak and dagger or never announcing who your starting quarterback is until the opening drive. You know, it's all that kind of gamesmanship that I think isn't really a big deal when it all comes down to anything. So, it's hard to say for sure, but um I definitely like it because we're in an age of social media content. You got to pump the content. You got to keep recruits engaged. You got to keep people talking about the program. So, you know, giving them little, you know, razzles and dazzles here and there to get people interested, keep talking about it. I think that's what you got to do in this age. And Hey, coach Allen, social media is your friend. You're a social media darling. That's literally what you're good at. People grab human coach meme. Yes, that's that's what sells right now. <laughs> um, I yeah, I mean, I wish I I loved what they did what two years ago when they you, you saw them everywhere. We we were we were bragging up how good the IU social media ch- you know Twitter and Instagram was. Why not bring that back? The program needs any sort of shot of adrenaline they can get. So, um, I feel like they're hybrid modeling it right now. They're they're not going. They're not going full, you know, 2021, but they're also not going um, as dark as 2022. So I guess it's a step in the right direction. Um, That's all I got for Randos. All right. So here's my sack today. I just got the one question for you. All right. So this feels like one of those Friday of uh, college tournament week uh, drive time sports talk show questions. Uh, As we're both keeping one eye on kind of the conference tournament, and I'm trying to flip back to Maryland, Minnesota here. Um, are you one of the guys who says it's not a big deal if we lose early in the tournament because rest is good? Or, you know, and because if you end up winning the tournament, you could wear yourselves out and, you know, end up holding you back potentially in March Madness. Uh, what's your stake on this? Do you, are you a big momentum guy? Are you a rest guy? Are you a overexhaust the team guy? What's your thoughts on this? I hate you. You never want to go full dockage, but I'm going to go full dockage oh, here. God. 18 to 21 year olds can't get tired. Like that's just, that's oh, just, that's, that's, that's just verbatim. That's, that's just BS. Um, So I don't get the whole rested up. 
I think y- this time of the year, you have to believe in yourself, right? To go on a run, you have to believe you can do it. So I want to win as many games as possible. I think IU has found out, at least the basketball team, that conference championships really don't matter, right? Like they don't affect seeding as much as we, the fans, think they do. So, you know, I I see it everywhere like, oh, if we win, we can move up a seed line. No, if, if we lose on Friday, we're not dropping to a five. If we make it to Sunday, we're not dropping to a three. IU is a four seed. They're a four seed no matter what. They should win at least one game, try to win it all just so they can get some wins. That's what they. That's what this team needs. They need to know that they can win on a neutral court. They need to know that they can win against other tournament teams. That's what's important. Go try to win it all. And don't worry about getting tired. Okay, that's all I got. Really going to end on me going full docket? It's, it's not great. That's no. not great. No. Not great. <laughs> Uh, well, guys, that's that's our position battles. Um, I think we'll probably kind of keep this rotation going on every two weeks. Um, next time we chat, um, IU basketball played a couple of games. Um, next time we chat, spring football will be over. So we'll probably do some kind of like post-spring football um, review. Um, I got one spoiler for you. There is a former IU basketball player on the selection committee. I say he hands IU a three seed and gives you the weakest 14. I think you guys get a weird little bump and extra favor. So, uh, I, okay. All right. Since we're going to go full ba- basketball podcast, do you want the worst one seed or do you want the best two seed, Seth, for Purdue? Um, part of me would prefer the best two. Yeah, I think you got to go that we've been the hunted for a large part of the season and it would be nice to be kind of a little not under the radar. Cause I think still having national player of the year and all that stuff, it's you're, you're not getting off the radar, but I think it just gives you a little bit less of a spotlight. Yeah, no, I mean, and even if you get the, but if you get the worst one, you're only going East, right? Because they'll give yeah. UCLA the one in the West. They'll give Kansas the one in the Midwest and they'll give um, Alabama the one in the um, in the South. Yeah, and I think we should play the first two games, and I think it's Columbus or Louisville regardless. So, like, you know, how bad? It's, what, three hours to Columbus from West Lafayette and three hours to Louisville. So, yeah, I mean, can't complain too much about that. No. Um, cool. All right, well, I'm going to go watch about college basketball. I'm sure you are too, guys. Gamble, gamble, for- gamble, 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 gamble. <laughs> <laughs> thank thank you for listening uh, please rate and review um, that's how we get our name out there uh, follow or uh, subscribe to at podcast leo on twitter um, thank you guys love you guys leo leo he said it leo awesome day leo thank you so much rick i appreciate that leo all right great leo appreciate you guys leo you're welcome, Dave. Have a great day, Elio. Have a great day, Elio. Appreciate you being here with us. Have an awesome day, and Elio. Oh, thank you so much, Elio. Well, thanks so much, Elio. Hey, thanks so much, Mike. Appreciate that, Elio. Appreciate you guys, man. Have an awesome day, Elio. Awesome, Elio. Elio. Elio.